I am Plant on the Line in Vancouver, British Columbia at thecommentary.ca. Jane Monroe joins me again. The distinguished poet, writer, and educator has just published a new collection of poetry, False Creek. It's a, a gathering of poems that will move, enlighten, allow space for contemplation, and will evoke anxiousness and joy sometimes in the same poem. Among the themes she reflects on in this new book include residential schools, False Creek itself, this inlet in the heart of Vancouver, reality as well as the beauty of the natural world and the horror of our carelessness with it. The visual arts offer inspiration to several poems in the book, as does reality. I'll touch on a few of the poems uh, in the book, ones that moved me that have uh, lingered long after I finished reading and the ones we're uh, thinking about when... um, uh, we uh, taped this interview late last week. Jane Monroe received the 2015 Griffin Poetry Prize, and she was uh, first on this program last year when her memoir, Open Every Window, was published. Other poetry collections, this is her eighth, by the way, include Glass Float, Blue Sonoma, and Active Pass. The website for more is at janemonroe.com. This new book is from Harbor Publishing. Please uh, welcome back to the Plant Online program, Jane Monroe. Ms. Monroe, good morning. Good morning, Joe. Nice to talk to you. It's very nice to talk with you. I've been looking forward to it. I I have, too. How have you been? I was just looking, by the way, at the emails that we exchanged uh, a few weeks ago uh, planning this, and and you mentioned that you just returned from Crete. What did you do there? Oh, um, yeah, I did. I I was in Crete doing research. I was um, there because um, I'm working on a project uh, that's partly set in Crete. And the last time that I was in Crete, was 50 years ago, wow. and Crete has certainly changed. So, oh, I'll bet, yeah. And I also needed to just do some research uh, while I was there. So uh, I went and stayed for a couple of weeks and walked and walked all over the place, and um, I, I just was in the outskirts of Heraklion and the village of Gnosis, and I was looking, I was interested in the Minoan Palace um, at Gnosis and uh, doing research about that. But I was also interested in just the um, atmosphere and the and the landscape and the feel and the people and you know. So I met some really wonderful people while I was there. It was it was all I don't speak any Greek, so mm. uh, but luckily there were enough people who spoke English that or some English that. We could communicate, so it it was it was really wonderful, and I Crete is beautiful. I'll bet. Yeah, was this the first time you'd gone overseas in say two and a half, three years? Say, I think so. Yes, yeah. it is. I mean, I hadn't. That was actually an advantage because I had airline points that mm. I hadn't spent, <laughs> so I did the whole trip uh, from Vancouver to Frankfurt, Frankfurt to Heraklion, and, uh, and return. Yeah. On um, airline points. Yeah. The um, uh, I, I was just thinking because there, there are a couple of poems in False Creek that um, evoke a place, mm-hmm. uh, some place that you've been, say. Mm-hmm. A number of them. There, there are obviously ones in Vancouver, but um, I, I'm thinking of the ones, say, outside of Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Um, when you reread some of those poems, um, they obviously evoke memories for you. Are, are they? Stronger than say the memories that, that a photograph might might say inst- uh, compel uh, in a person say. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, it's interesting. I I was this morning uh, to prepare for talking with you. I reread False Creek from you know beginning to end in sequence, and I thought, you know, yesterday was American Thanksgiving, and yeah. a lot of families and friends and so on were gathering and i felt it was like a thanksgiving party that i had all of these intimates yeah, yeah. <laughs> family and and friends with whom each of whom i had a complex relationship and a, a <laughs> you know a rich right. relationship yeah, yeah. and i had and they were all gathered together in one place and it was sort of like a a reunion, but but a party too. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the funny thing you mentioned that is, um, I uh, was listening to the news or watching the news yesterday, and mm-hmm. they mentioned that the the Broadway SkyTrain is going to be delayed because there was a concrete strike. 
Oh, and yes. they, they showed this image of Broadway, sort of east of Canby, looking west. Yeah. And um, that's the image that I have in my mind when I think of the Broadway Skytrain, having been down there a few times over the last couple of years and seeing, you know, all the scaffolding. I immediately mm-hmm. thought of your poem, um, No Frills Checkout. Because that's right there at just Broadway, east of Canby, yes. right? Yes, it is. I used to go to that No Frills. Uh, there, yeah. There's a No Frills near my house, but I, I like that one for some reason. Um, yeah. And I haven't yeah, gone I go there very... sometimes, too. It's yeah. a bigger one. Exactly. That's a bigger one than the one near my house. Um, the, the thing is, that I haven't been there very much in the last year or so because of mm-hmm. the construction. Mm-hmm. And and that's what I enjoyed about that poem is that that you 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 um, well the, that poem in particular you're thinking about other things, but um, I guess the, the the start of the poem really is about everything that's on Broadway, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you, Joe. That that's fun. I yeah, it's very. You know, you were asking me, is it better than looking at photographs? Uh, it is because um, I have so many rich uh, memories of, of the relationship that I have with, with the poem. Mm. And I may not have so many with a photograph, you know. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes we don't take the photographs, or, or even if we yeah. take the photographs, it's about whoever's in the photographs, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, that, that poem, let, let, let's start with No Frills Checkout, because, um, as I said, you, you're thinking about a lot of stuff there. You're yeah. thinking about family lore, all, all of this while at, I guess, the checkout stand. Right. And and because checkout stands are the way they are, we spend a lot of time in them, don't we? <laughs> yes. Um, when you're... Um, I was, I was going to ask you about what the poem says, but but I think people should read it because I think there, there's, there's there's something interesting there for for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. Um, do, do you write in your head? I mean, are you are you standing in line there, um, thinking of the, the the words that are going to be in the poem, or I mean, do, do you whip out your phone and say type it, or do you have a piece of paper and a pen and start jotting things down, or or you just you you, you keep things in in your head and then when you get home or when you get somewhere where you do your writing, say, does it all come together? It's not, I don't do it while I'm in the place, mm-hmm. usually. Um, usually what, what happens is that <clears throat> um, I'll just notice things while I'm walking. I, I walk a lot and I go out a lot and I'm out and about and I just, notice and pay attention to to the stuff that fits around me and something and it moves me in different ways and then sometimes the poem will start they 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 sort of have their own appearance and they will come and i'll feel oh okay and so there'll be something that i start writing yeah and then other things will come and join it and so i didn't I didn't know that when I started writing the No Frills Checkout poem exactly what it was going to be. Yeah. I just started writing what was coming, and uh, then it, it got clearer, and then I, I just uh, followed what my, uh, my dreaming mind was bringing. Some, a number of poems start with dreams. Yeah with just images that I've been dreaming, and then I sit down in the morning and try to recall the dream and write down the images, and, and sometimes I draft a poem right then, or at least the be- what I call a proto-poem. Yeah. It's not the finished poem, usually. Well, but, yeah, it does. I don't, I don't stand in the checkout line and, and think about drafting a poem. <laughs> I always wonder that when I see people on their phones in lineup, say. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to think that they're writing poetry. They're probably not. <laughs> but They're probably, you know, sending texts to, to friends or yeah, whatever. But, but, but it'd be fun to think that there, there are all these poets in the lineup. You know what I mean? <laughs> that would be fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, the um, You mentioned uh, 
dreams. Um, I don't get enough sleep, so I, I, I don't get it to that point in my, my mind, say, mm-hmm. that I have dreams. Um, do, 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 um, you obviously take the dream itself and then sometimes they're inspiration for poems. Do you reflect on what they mean at all? I mean, do you think about that, say? Yes, I do. Um, I, you, you've read my memoir, Open Every Window, and so you know that I spent time caretaking for my husband while he had uh, Alzheimer's mm-hmm. and dementia, mm-hmm. and we were living at point no point in, in quite an isolated place, and so the the responsibility and and the caregiving was uh, very uh, consuming, and and um, it, it sort of dominated my life very much. And I, in that period, I felt out of touch with my deeper self, mm. and I started paying attention to my dreams and making uh, a routine, a habit of in the mornings before I got involved with the day trying to make notes and write down the dreams that had come or the, the dream or whatever had come in dreams and then um, try to, to draft something that was a poem from that. Um, or the big, the proto poem, or just write in my notebook. I, I keep notebooks all the time. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that that practice helped me feel a little more connected to my own unconscious, hmm. which just deepened my my sense of being present. Yeah, that's a that, in my reading the book and taking notes as I was. One of the words that that, that um, came up a couple times is gr- the word grounded, and uh-huh. um, th- that's what I was going to say. Th- that um, the poems in this collection seem to be written by someone who is grounded, grounded, say in her own thoughts, um, where she lives, the people around her, her family, the places around her, um, her, her her family history. Um, does that take, say? A certain amount of time to get to a place like that. I mean, um, a, a lot of us are flighty. Uh, a lot of us are, 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 say, capricious about time and place, especially other people's um, time. Um, to get to the place of being grounded, does that does that take, say, uh, a lot of thinking, a lot of time, uh, experience, even? Uh, that's a good question. I, Joe, I, I, I guess it does. But it has evolved. I mean, I, I think in a way I, I have been grounded since early childhood. I mean, I, I was thinking the other day that I'm especially grateful for the first 18 months of my life when my father was overseas in the war mm-hmm. and my mother, who was somewhat older mother when she had me, and I was her first child, was totally devoted to me, <laughs> and, mm. and I had 18 months of her love and attention, and we lived at Cultus Lake, and, mm-hmm. you know, we, we walked, and we had, and she was, um, she was an amazing, she was a remarkable woman, and she, um, she was a longtime teacher and educator, and so she, she was um, always you know, showing me things and telling me things. But also, she just was, it was an intimate, adoring uh, relationship with her for those first 18 months, and then my brother was born. And <laughs> 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 which sort of changed all this yeah. dynamic. But, you know, I, I think the groundedness in my uh, sense of, of self and of connection with the world uh, probably goes back way back into those those very early months of my life and my relationship with my mother yeah yeah because i i people like to think that wisdom is something that that uh, older people have and i i, I think that's 
bunk. I, I, I think that um, I've met younger people, younger than I am even, who, who are wise. And, mm-hmm. and you, you've only made the argument for me that, that yeah, somebody young can um, be grounded, some, can have some wisdom, and um, that definitely does come from the, the nurture part of, of, say, one's upbringing, right? Yeah, and I I do think, you know, as an adult, I have, well, for the last, whatever, almost thirty years, I guess, um, practiced yoga, mm-hmm. and I and it's a it's a meditative practice. So I have um, a daily yoga practice that where I. Uh, I just work with my body and my feelings, and you know, I keep um, it. It's grounding too. It's it's very practical. You know? yeah. it's, just, it's just no. It's not in the brain, um, yeah. but you know, the brain is involved. It's it's mainly body work. Yeah, you you mentioned your memoir, "Open Every Window," a moment ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you talk in that book about, say, um, your yoga practice and, and mm-hmm. um, how you developed that, and, and uh, you traveled even to yes, learn I it, did. didn't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, wh- why did you choose the title for the collection, False Creek? I mean, it, for, for, for those of us that live it here, um, it, it has that geographical meaning, obviously, but, but it's such a, a marvelous title because... Um, even if you're not here, I think people can derive some meaning from it. Yes, I think so. And if they read um, the poems, I think then the meaning stands out even more. I yeah. mean, I I think Fox Creek is such a contradictory sort of situation yeah. in Vancouver. Since it is uh, so much filled in and changed and mutated, um, and so much has been lost from it, but it still functions as, um, as, as you know, many people enjoy it and mm-hmm. walk around it, and um, boats uh, moor in it, mm-hmm. and um, it's still. Part of the joy that people have in being in the city. Um, so it it has this, um, and even the um, even the Granville Island market uh, is sort of an echo of the fact that um, for many many hundreds of thousands perhaps of, of years before then the Inlet itself was like the supermarket for mm. the indigenous people who, you know, the, the Squamish and the Musqueam and the Tsleil-Lefus mm-hmm. people all um, found their their food and resources in Vaults Creek and around the shores of Vaults Creek. Yeah, especially that part there, um, sort of uh, the south end of the Burrard Bridge, which which you mentioned in the book and which has been in the news lately because it's going to be developed for for um, uh, they'll develop the property there. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know a lot of that until it came up in the news that that this was um, a historic. Uh, this was their historic um, place, and mm-hmm. that that the. Uh, the native group there w- was displaced, mm-hmm. and so he, this was the, the, this development is now their opportunity to say, reclaim the land for themselves. Um, there's a, there's a lot of talk in the book um, about, um, I guess some people describe some of these poems in the book as say contemporary or political. Um, that's one of the parts of the book that that. Um, I, uh, they gave me a lot of uh, a pause, a lot of th- uh, a lot of time to think about what's happening around us, say, and um, a lot of these discussions that we're having uh, with regards to um, history, 
the history of this place especially. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mentioned to you in, in an email that um, a couple of the poems, um, one in particular got me choked up, the, the one, What Counts as Violent. Yeah. There's, there's such, um, I don't know how to put this, there, there's a realization in, in mm-hmm. the poem, um, a, a reckoning, shame, say. Mm-hmm. Um, do you um, take the act of committing poetry as a chance to say, comment on say, political issues? Oh, um, you know, I, I think yes and no. I mean, I, I don't know how to... My intention in writing the poem is not necessarily to comment on political issues, but to, uh, I mean, I, I, I was looking at Tamara Bell's installation on the steps of the mm. Vancouver Art Gallery, all the shoes, yeah. and feeling very moved. And, and because I have been writing these poems and doing a lot of research, I, I audited a couple of times a decolonial course at Emily Carr University, uh-huh. and I heard indigenous artists talking about their work and showing their work, and I, I read a lot of material about the impact of colonialism on indigenous people. And this, I felt ashamed of, of being part of the colonial empire that, that had... Um, caused this much suffering and pain for uh, and that and I also felt ignorant that I just had grown up without understanding or knowing or seeing what um, what had happened and I and so that poem came out of my feelings I was trying to figure out how come this violence because I it's not. Uh, it's not clear to me, or it wasn't clear to me, how it could arise in yeah. in people who didn't set out to um, to be horrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, and I I tried to. To understand it, and so the poem arose from my attempts to, to understand how come this violence. Yeah, it, it, it's just a powerful poem, and and um, I urge people to to pick up False Creek and, and and read it just for that, as well as as the the the, the poem right after it, How Come This Cruelty, which um, How Come This Cruelty? I meant not yeah. How Come This Violence. Yeah, no. but, but 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 both back to back really um, yeah. uh, say a lot about um, a lot of the discussions that we're having. Uh, mm-hmm. Contemporary discussions, especially, um, and you know, I, 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 I'm I'm the son of of uh, immigrants, um, mm-hmm. and so it's easy for for people like my parents or myself to think uh, all of this happened before we got here. Mm-hmm. And that's true, Joe. Yeah, but still, the the there is um, living here in this time and place. I think there is there is some. The, 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 it, it, it's too easy to dismiss all of that as the past, or the, uh, as history. Um, we all have a part to play living now, right? Yes, we do. And and the colonial, I mean, the the message that I heard from from the indigenous artist is that colonialism is alive and well in Canada. Yeah. And you know, it's not. We may not perceive ourselves as active in it. Right, but, yeah. But we are beneficiaries of Exactly, it. yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that that, that um, the, the people that, that um, don't want to talk about this stuff, who mm-hmm. dismiss it, say, in the media or in social media especially, mm-hmm. um, are... Um, well, at a basic level, probably uncomfortable um, about these discussions because they're only perpetuating what's wrong, I guess. 
Yeah, that, that's what I enjoyed about this this book. It, it got me thinking about a lot of things that, that I probably didn't want to think about or, or hadn't thought about. And, and um, um, I guess these are things that, that have that been on your mind the last little while, right? Yes, they have. And I just, uh, but, you know, I also think that I, I was, um, I did a reading in Victoria at the beginning of November, and I stayed with, with some old friends while I was over there. Mm-hmm. And one of them asked me, you know, you have so much joy and wonder and love for the world, and you have so much grief about climate change and what's happening. Yeah. How do you, how do you do, how do you manage that? And I was thinking about that, and I thought, well, in the um, in the poems, I do I do talk about the the ladder that you could go up or down as you change your point of view, mm-hmm. and also I think that I think of these these two sorts of feelings which are very strong. I don't want to not have either of them. Um, yeah, but they could be arranged. In a in a cross like a Christian cross, which would be a crucifixion instrument. Yeah. But you can also arrange them and and bind their intersections so that they're a ladder, and you can go up or down on them. You can move on them safely. Yeah. And I think. It's it's hard to um, to think of changing our our perspective. I mean, it's hard for me to to change my perspective, but I I feel safe if I still feel the strength of both my joy and love and wonder and delight in the world and my um, grief and loss and over it. To um, to hold on to both of those things and and move. Yeah, I, I I don't think we can have either of those things if you don't have the other one. I think um, you, you can't have say the good without the bad because you wouldn't know what the good was. I think. Yes, and and I think it's like love and suffering too. <laughs> yeah, there's a very thin line between both, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyway, I, you know, I, it's, it is stuff that, that I've been contending with and trying to figure out. So that's how the, the poems um, reflect or, or emerge from what's been going on for me. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, the, the, the poems also reflect this, this, this curiosity that you seem to have, this infinite curiosity, I was going to say. Um, that you have, and, and um, I don't know too many people um, who lose that over the years, especially as they get older, say, um, when they become, you know, they, they head into their, their say, working years. Um, that's a skill, being curious, that, that one needs to work at and, and work at regularly, don't they? <laughs> you know, I've, I have, yes, I guess so, but I, I just think it's also part of, of my natural inheritance too, Joe. Mm. <laughs> you know, I, as a, long before I had written anything very much, I thought being a writer would be great because I thought then I could learn anything. Yeah. If, I'd, if I were a writer, I could learn anything and use it. Yeah. And I liked um, the possibility of, <laughs> of learning whatever I, I thought I might get interested in yeah i turned 40 this year and um there are people that i know that are 40 or younger even who um and you can tell this right away when you're having conversations with them in person or otherwise how how much they 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 lack interest of things around them because they're Mm -hmm. they're concerned about other things and, and and probably rightfully so right concerned about um their 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 own lives um Mm -hmm. but 
I find that um, at 40, I don't, I don't think I know as much as I did when I was 20. <laughs> you know? I, 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 I feel there are things that I still don't know, and, and, and um, I, I just, I, I, I would, I'd atrophy physically and mentally if, if I, I stopped wondering about things and asking questions, say. Oh, but you know, Joe, I also think that not knowing, you know, feeling that we don't know so much is, is also part of the experience of learning. And, yeah. you know, the, the more we realize how much there is and what a small fraction we can ever comprehend or begin to, to know, uh, you know, we... We feel very humble about the small amount that, yeah. that we actually encompass or, or bring into our our own understanding. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was just looking at my note sheet and I forgot to put this in there. But it reminds me of a, a couple of poems in the book, a few poems, where um, you talk about what a small part of the world we are, mm-hmm. um, especially time. Um, mm-hmm. you know, one could live to be a hundred years old and that's, that's a blip in mm-hmm. how long False Creek's been here, say. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it staggers one to think about, um, because we're, we're busy living our lives and trying to make a difference as, as, as much as we can, um, for the, the people around us mm-hmm. that at the end of the day, um, <laughs> we'll all be gone. Um, but this place will keep going and this place has kept on going for thousands if not hundreds of thousands millions of years before us right mm-hmm. so what, what really at, at that point you think what does it matter <laughs> one's life but at the same time um when you think of the the grief that you write about in the book about the, the way the world is um what a difference we can make and and sometimes mm-hmm. for, for 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 ill um, for the world around us, and and that's the 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 that's one of the contradictions, say, in the book that that you contend with that I found just fascinating, and I'm still thinking about it long after I finished reading the book. I'm glad, Joe. Thank you for telling me that. But uh, but that, that that's a that's an interesting thing, though, isn't it? Though that we we um we're only here for for a short period of time, and yet. We can do a hell of a lot of damage. <laughs> yes, and you know what we can also do. Uh, we can we can um, we can shine a little bit of light. <laughs> yeah, you know, and we can do something for you know some small things in a in a common and and genuine way uh, for other people, other lives around us. Indeed, indeed. And, and, and I think we, we shouldn't lose sight of that as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I, you know, it's just... But the, the, other, the other aspect of it is that I just feel that, that having a life, having a life in this gorgeous, beautiful world is a, totally such an amazing experience. I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, I just am grateful for, for being here. Yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, I, I, I don't think like that often, <laughs> but <laughs> but when I do, I do realize, yeah, no, it is such a gift because, I mean, I, I had a friend die recently, and he was uh, uh-huh. younger than I was. He was 39, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm still pissed off to this day um, that he won't get the chance to grow old. Yeah, I, that's very young. It is such a shame. Yeah, and then when I think that you know my my day's crap, um, I don't you know I mean it, it it's <laughs> ridiculous to even think that you know knowing that I'm still here. Yeah, well I'm you know I'm twice your age almost, but not quite. <laughs> getting uh, getting there, and I you know so I know that I have fewer days and months and years left. To be here, and I can't predict how long, but it it uh, I can 
be sure that it's not infinite. And I just am so grateful for the the opportunity that I have now. Does um have have you always found writing poetry personally rewarding? Hmm. That's a good question. I, I know that poets in this country don't make uh, uh, hardly make a living at it, say. But, oh, yeah. but but I mean in terms of um yielding something else say for 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 you personally i mean have you found that in 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 i mean this is the eighth collection is that right well you know i do feel that when i'm writing it involves my whole self it's not just something i do with my brain or or you know assemble in some sort of way it it involves everything that I have to bring to it. Um, and so it feels rewarding to use my whole self in making something. And I think of poetry as architecture for the imagination, and mm. I, I think it's it's for the imagination of the reader. Um, so right now I'm walking around in an apartment in an old building. It's 100 years old. And this apartment, which I like and have been living in for, I don't know, five or six years now, six mm-hmm. years, I guess, um, has had so many different people. I have no idea who lived in it before me and whose, whose footsteps I'm following through the halls and, and you know, the rooms. But it's, it's a good basic architecture because it's very habitable. People have been able to move in and bring their own furnishings, their own memories and thoughts and feelings and lives. There's good light and good air circulation and interesting relationships in its spaces, and it's very habitable. Mm -hmm. And I think poetry needs to be an architecture that others can move into. Yeah, that's a, a marvelous way to think about it because, yeah, I, I have been sort of living in your poems as I was reading them, and probably living in them more as I was, I've been thinking about them after finishing reading them, um, trying to figure out what I'm thinking about them, I, I think, is, is, is such a gift because then it, it allows me to think about not just say, contemporary issues or political issues that we're talking about elsewhere, but... Um, a way to look at life or art itself. I mean, there, there are a number of poems mm-hmm. in here about the Murakami exhibit that was, was yeah. in, at the art gallery. And I, I found those um, not just fun, say, but I found them just incredibly um, delightful to see how art can inspire your own art as you're, you're mm-hmm. writing poems themselves. Uh, finding inspiration for poems. I'm, uh, I mentioned the Murakami exhibit. Um, you seem to have an endless supply of inspiration because you you walk around the city you see what it looks like or you see the people in the city um do, do you ever hit a brick wall in in terms of of say inspiration and, and and run out of things to say ponder or write about um walls that I've hit have been more about my life being too full and too busy (laughs) (laughs) having too many other things that I am responsible for Mm. and so there have been periods when I have done less writing this period in my life is actually a special gift I I find And, and this is a weird thing because many people would not anticipate it but I I'm actually grateful to be um, living alone and having no responsibility for caring for anybody else. I have my my life is full and, and rich, and I have wonderful family and relationships, but they don't live with me. Mm. And I I am free now in this late period of my life. For the first time in my life, I've always had family or or other people to care for who were with me, mm-hmm. living with me, um, I'm free to just spend my days the way I want to 
and I can write much more of the time and put more time to it than I was able to when I was working full-time and raising children and keeping house and mm-hmm. commuting and whatever all I was doing. Uh, the the, um, uh, the the book is uh, the false creek is obviously shorter than than your memoir and I, I would assume because <laughs> there are fewer pages or fewer words um, but I I think I spent um, as much time reading false creek uh, rereading it especially as I did your memoir and and um, I would assume that writing the poems probably took as much time as, as oh, I, don't, I hate to say that, but I mean, it, 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 the poems themselves take a lot of time, don't they? I mean, yeah, yeah. I <laughs> thank and well, again, Joe. Thank you so much for for moving into the and, and inhabiting the poems. Um, I they do take time, and I. Uh, I, you know, the, the memoir accumulated over probably more years, but when I moved back to Vancouver in 2012 from Point No Point, mm-hmm. uh, I started walking, and I started walking around Paltz Creek, and I, I started realizing I didn't know anything very much about Paltz Creek, and I began doing research, and I went to the BD biodiversity museum at UBC and I began trying to find out who lived there, what creatures, what plants Mm. um, were there in the past. And I went to the museums, Museum of Vancouver and Museum of Anthropology and UBC Library when they had the exhibits that were relevant to what work I was what I was interested in, especially mm-hmm. the, the Cessnam, the City Before the City exhibit that was oh, yeah. Yeah. in a number of them. And and I went, yeah, and I did go to the art galleries, and I I also traveled. I, I was doing readings. I went to Egypt to do readings, and I went to Ireland to do readings during the time that I was working on this. So all of these different experiences um, influenced some of the poems. Yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking as you were, you were talking, because there's, there's a, there's, um, you mentioned this in, in False Creek, um, how much has been filled in over the years and how much has been yeah. lost, say. Yeah. I work um, at uh, on Industrial Avenue near the, near uh-huh. the train station. And, yeah, well, <laughs> and that's been filled in. Um, yeah. for, uh, I, I guess fault the, the the creek would have run to Clark. Yeah, and exactly. I read somewhere recently. I didn't know this until about a year or so ago. That there were plans to go further than say where where Science World is, and to go further west to even where the Burrard Bridge is. Wow. And and just to think what what um, I mean, it would have been a very different city altogether had that that had been done, right? Yeah, I I didn't know that, Joe. That's something I hadn't encountered. But yeah, it it um, it's already, you know, one fifth the size that it was originally in yeah. its in its extent, including all the the marshes and tidal flats. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I saw a thing on 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 the CBC News. Um, probably in the last year or so, where they talked about, um, because they're building the new hospital down there, yeah. um, that uh, the risk of flooding. I know. And not just there, but, say, even further west, even, you know, between the Camby and Granville bridges. Yeah. How that's always been a risk, and, and um, because of climate change, Yeah. Um, a risk still. Yeah, I know. I mean, I I don't know what the what the city will end up doing about the um, the low lying lands as climate change and and oceans rise. Um, but it will be something that we'll have to contend with. Yeah. I don't know whether you have um, 
been underneath the Camby Street Bridge and seen the pillars there with the the blue paint on them, marking the different levels of of. Um, no, I've not seen it in person, but I've seen it. Um, I saw it on that TV thing that I saw. Yeah. And um, I heard about it on the radio with, with um, Stephen Quinn. Um, and I've seen it, uh, obviously, photographs of it online. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah, that isn't, um, <laughs> it fills one with dread, doesn't it? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does. And I, you know, I, I stay in, in, um, Ballast, one of the poems in False Creek, you know, the steady unbearable. Yeah. Um, it's just um, how to how to bear and not be not be totally defeated and killed off by by the knowledge that we have that that so much damage is being done. And Canada is not doing well. Mm, exactly. Unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, so we have, we have um, a lot that we should be considering changing. Yeah. Um, Jane, you mentioned, um, uh, we started talking about this, this trip to Crete. You, you mentioned it, it was research. Is that for another book? Yeah. Well, I hope it will be another book. It's another writing project, anyway. Yeah, is is that? But you, you, you're. I mean, because I always ask authors this when, when I interview them if they're working on something else, new. Um, is that the? Um, are you working on anything else other than that? Um, that's the major thing that I'm working on right now, and I, uh, I would like to get a full draft of this mm-hmm. so that then I. Because I, w- I do feel better when I, I'm also working on poems. Poems, you know, as, as we were just saying, a collection of poems takes a while to, to emerge, and they take, you know, they take time individually, but it also takes time to recognize the book and see how it, how it can be shaped mm. to compose the book itself. And uh, so I, I know it will take time to, but I, I like, I feel, I, I really enjoy writing poetry, basically, and that's what uh, I'd like to be able to work on too. But at the moment, I'm just sort of obsessed with trying to get a, a draft of this new project. So this is the first book of poetry of yours that I've ever read, and, and I mentioned a moment ago that this is the eighth. Um, I really enjoyed Open Every Window because I thought that the writing was just fantastic and, and beautiful. Um, it, it's made me want to go back and see the other seven books. Um, in, in terms of assessing one's work, say, mm-hmm. um, looking back at, at these eight books of poetry now, um, do you have any assessment as to, to how you've, you've evolved as a writer, as a poet especially? Well, I have evolved. <laughs> I have grown. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I um, there there are poems that that I like in all of them, and that you know that still resonate for me. And they come from different periods of my life. So, you know, the first book of poems that I published was Daughters, and at that point I had small children. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, um. The the book that probably has had the most readership was Blue Sonoma, which won the 2015 Griffin Poetry Prize. Mm -hmm. And um, that that's a a book that that also took time to write because I it. I wrote it during the time that I was caregiving for my husband with mm-hmm. Alzheimer's disease, and um, there were poems in it that I just didn't feel I could publish until um, after.
after he had died. Mm. And so that book came out after his death. But it it was accumulating over you know the decade or more before that. Um, and the book that I did between Blue Sonoma and False Creek is Glass Float. Mm-hmm. And that's actually um, really quite focused in the middle on, on my yoga. And it goes, I have a section in that about what I was learning in India in, when I went and worked with Gita Iyengar for a period. So there, there was... Um, uh, but it's not just about yoga by any means. It's it's mm-hmm. also a full sweep of um, it's looking back over my life, and uh, there's so there's, they all each of the books uh, reflects a particular period in my life, mm-hmm. but also they. I think are uh, an integrated sequence, if that makes sense to yeah. you. Well, as it, it, a, a, a recent fan, it'll be be fun for me to go back and, and <laughs> read this. But in the meantime, for people listening to us, definitely they should pick up False Creek because they'll, they'll get something out of it that I think they they didn't expect, and um, I think um, we're all better for 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 that when when we read something that we can get something out of that, that we need, obviously. Um, Jane, I could talk all um, afternoon with you. Um, it's fun catching up again. Congratulations on this book and continued good luck with it. Thank you, Joe. And thank you so much for the conversation. I really enjoyed talking with you again. <laughs> and I, I was thinking, uh, you wanted me to sign uh, my, my, your copy of my... Yes. Memoir. I would be delighted to meet with you sometime and sign the copy of, of False Creek that you have. Well, we'll do, we'll 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 take co- we'll, we'll 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 do coffee again like we did last year. Okay. Okay. <laughs> the website for more is at janemonroe.com. The book is called False Creek. It's from Harbor Publishing. It's author Jane Monroe. Join me on the line from here in Vancouver. I'm Joseph Plunder.